Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I am Lois Strachan, and today we are talking about a topic that I am really passionate about, travel. We're talking to Kristen Seacor of World on Wheels blog, and I believe now an accessible travel company as well. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you with us. Probably the best place for us to start is just to tell us a little bit about who is Kristen, what is a little of your story, and yeah, your background. Absolutely. Um, so I was born with a rare form of muscular dystrophy, and that affects my strength, my mobility, my balance, my endurance, and my breathing. So if you hear um, something that is my ventilator, I use a ventilator full time um, to help with the breathing muscles. Um, and I was born with muscular dystrophy. It's a slowly progressive illness in my case. Um, there's several different types of muscular dystrophy, and depending on which type you have depends on how quickly it progresses, what kind of muscles it affects, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that I've always been disabled to varying degrees. Um, as I've gotten older, obviously, um, I've become more impaired than when I was younger and I'm kind of learning how to adapt to that and navigate the world and still do the things I love has been tricky at times um, but I have found ways to overcome them and yeah I also love to travel uh, and traveling is a huge passion of mine along with helping others um, so um, I even though there are obstacles when you're traveling in a wheelchair and there are certainly a lot of rewards, and it's worth the hassle of trying to figure out what's accessible, what's not, and how I can navigate the world. Absolutely. Living with a progressive disease or condition, how, how have you had to adapt your way of living as your condition has shifted through the years? So one of the things that has changed are my energy levels. Um, and I mean, I think we all know kids have like an seemingly endless amount of energy. They kind of bounce off the walls at times. And I was never like to that extent. Um, but I certainly had more energy when I was younger than I do now. So I've really got to pace myself and really listen to what my body tells me as far as what it can handle, what it, you know, when it's getting tired. If I overdo it, it takes a lot longer to recover than if I actually just listen in the first place and kind of go with the flow. 
I've also had to look at different adaptive equipment to help me do like just everyday stuff. Um, so I, when I was younger, I didn't need any kind of mobility device to get around. And then as I got older, I started using a cane and then progressively a wheelchair when I go out of the house. I still have some mobility. I can walk. I can wait there for short distances. Um, so it's really looking at what works best for me. How can I be as independent as possible? What kind of equipment is out there to help me do that? And then just really accepting the progression of the illness and um, and really being okay with using adaptive equipment. I think that's a really big challenge for a lot of people is making that transition when you have either a progressive illness or something and it's changed quickly, like a car accident or something like that, when you have that sudden change. So that's been a process, but it's been going pretty well. In as you know, as you've progressed through with the condition, have you found that that's adapted what you're able to do in terms of employment? I think in one of our conversations, you mentioned that you used to work in the medical um, industry as well. Yes. Yeah, so I was a mental health counselor for 11 years. Um, I absolutely love the job because, like I said before, I like helping others. I like, you know, having a sense of purpose out of what I've experienced and using that to, you know, make an impact in other people's lives. Um, so, unfortunately, um, as my health got worse, my doctor is, um, said I could no longer return to work because of the ventilator. I get sick very easily um, with respiratory illnesses, and that can be pretty severe and life-threatening. So I've had to adapt to that. And one of those adaptations has meant turning to your love of travel and turning that into a business. What started your love of travel? Where did it come from? Uh, so I was lucky enough, we always talked family vacations when I was younger growing up. Um, but my first international trip was not until I graduated grad school. Um, so I, was, I had got my master's degree and I had met a friend in graduate school and she had studied abroad in England. And when she graduated, she said, hey, I got a graduation present of plane tickets. Let's go. You want to come with me? And I thought it would be a great introduction to international travel because there wouldn't be the language barrier that you would get in some of the other foreign countries. Um, and I knew that England was fairly good with accessibility. Um, and at that point, I was not using a wheelchair when I my first travel abroad, but I did have, you know, I would get tired easy. I would, you know, have a different gait when I walked. Um, so I went with her on this trip for two weeks. We took the train around England, went up to Scotland, and I fell in love with that. I absolutely love seeing all the history, the architecture, learning. Um, they have similar cultures, 
to what we do in America, but it is different. So it was a nice way of kind of just learning about that and that introduction. And after that, I was hooked. I just wanted to go all over the world. It usually does take only one experience, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So talking about travel then, and particularly around accessibility and accommodations, Most of the people that I've spoken to about travel who have disabilities say that travel starts off, once they know where they're wanting to go, it starts off with a whole lot of research. How do you do the research and the planning for your trips that you want to take? So uh, for me, it does start with the destination, and I have many on my bucket list, um, but I think we all do. Um, But I do do a lot of research. For me, it is looking online. Um, I go to blogs if I have never been there before to see what other people's experiences have been. I look at you know, what there is to do in general. And then I narrow that down as to what I would be interested in doing. And then I go to each person's website to see what the accessibility is like. Can I do what I want to do? You know, if I want to go to a museum or if I want to go to a specific park or, you know, um, attraction, you know, are there accommodations for wheelchairs? How am I going to get there? What's transportation like? What is, you know, the overall infrastructure like? You know, do they have curb cuts so that it's easy to just kind of roll around if I want to? Um, I look at what hotels are available and what what their accessibility is. I really look for pictures a lot because I think... Um, One of the things that I've learned is that when you talk about accessibility across cultures or across different languages, there can be a little bit of a um, a disconnect where someone says, oh, yes, it's accessible, but you've got to climb two steps to get into that. I'm like, well, that's not accessible according to American standards, but, you know, maybe someone else's definition of accessibility is totally different or how they perceive disability can be different of, okay, you're a wheelchair user, but you can walk, right? And in my case, yes, I can for short distances, but that doesn't mean I can do steps. Steps are like my nemesis. They are hard. Um, So I avoid them at all costs. And really, I really can't do them very well. Um, So I really look at how we define disability, how we describe it. I've learned to be very specific in describing what my needs are. So like I may email a hotel and say, okay, you didn't have pictures of your accessible room online. Can you tell me what it is? Because I need X, Y, and Z. And do you offer this or do you know someone that does? I think even certain destinations that are more challenging accessibility-wise, I don't necessarily write them off my list of, oh, I'll never be able to go there because one of my personal challenges is going to places where no one ever thought was going to be accessible and proving you can do it. There's going to be definitely some challenges and it depends on how much of the challenges you're willing to take on versus whether that'll be a good destination for you or not. 
But there are cases where I will use like accessible travel companies when the infrastructure is very limited. Like one of my goals is to go to Asia. And I know in Asia, unfortunately, they just don't have, depending on what country you go to, a lot of them don't have that infrastructure. They're not used to people with disabilities being out and about and, and doing different things. And they have a lot of historic uh, buildings and temples that just weren't designed with accessibility in mind when they were built 2,000 years ago. So in those cases, I would use someone that is an expert in that destination and understands what my needs are so that I feel more comfortable and it's a little less stressful. I'm hearing a lot about the importance of communication. Yes. Communication with service providers of, of pretty much any description. Um, yes. And and also, I mean, I, from my my sense is that different people define accessibility according to their own specific needs, but everybody's needs can differ to such a vast degree. I often have um, issues with this concept of universal access because to make everything totally accessible for absolutely everybody. I kind of think is the gold standard that places could work towards, mm -hmm. but I'm not absolutely convinced that it's possible to do that. I so, think it is very challenging and almost impossible. Because like you said, even with someone that has the same diagnosis, they can be at different stages within that illness, within that disability, um, what their abilities are can range differently. So especially something as simple as grab bars, right? You know, yeah. for people with mobility issues, some people like it, we're all different heights. So depending on what height you are, could be what level, how high or how well you want that grab bar to make it work best for you, where that's located, what side of the, you know, the room that's located on, um, where they are like in a shower. Some people um, like to have lots of them. Some people don't like a grab bar behind them when they're seated in the shower because it's hard for balance. If you can't hold yourself up straight, um, that's very challenging. So I think there's a basic minimum that should be followed. But yes, it would be very hard to make everything perfectly accessible to everyone at all times. I want to shift into talking about your blog site, World on Wheels. How did that come about? So when I could no longer work as a mental health counselor, I took a few years to really, one, stabilize my health. My health was very iffy at that time. And once I um, got my health stabilized, I personally wanted to travel again. And luckily, I have a team of doctors that loves travel, understands my passion and supports me in that and how to do that safely for you know what my condition is. Um, we did a couple test runs to see what I could handle, what I couldn't. Um, and I was really looking for a new purpose. How do I move forward and wanting to help other people, wanting to pursue my love of travel? So I thought, why do I combine those two things? I know that there are a lot of other accessible travel bloggers 
out there for varying disabilities and varying things. Um, but I, it's not something that's really widely known in the world. Like if you seek it out, you can find it. But if you don't know to seek it out, it's really hard to really tap into those resources. So, and I thought, I think everyone has a different perspective when it comes to travel, what their interests are, what their abilities are. So I thought, why don't I combine these two? I will start a blog where I can share my adventures. I can share accessibility information so that if someone else wants to go to their destination, I can make that planning easier for them because, I mean, when we when you asked that question earlier about how do I plan a trip, it is a long process. And if you can find all of that information in one place, how amazing would that be? And how easy would that be, you know, to, you know, move forward with planning your trip? So I thought, okay, I can provide information. I can let, you know, let people know that, hey, you're going to have challenges, but maybe there's places you never thought were possible. And how do we get out of that mindset of being limited to a certain known safe destination of, okay, I know it's accessible there. So all of my trips, I'm going to go to the same place. Well, for me, and I can only speak for me, that gets a little boring. I love exploring new places. I love having new experiences. So I wanted to really kind of highlight that you can go places and how do you overcome those challenges when you're presented with them to make it just a little easier for people and and allow them to go to their dream destinations. On a very practical level, what are people going to find on your World on Wheels site and how should they use the site? So I try to come at it from a variety of different aspects. Um, If you know where you want to go, I have a very easy drop-down menu of the countries that I've been to and I've written on so that you can find accessibility information on those places. But I've also met a lot of people that say, I want to travel, but I have no idea where it's accessible and where I can go. So I have another page that tries to break that down based on interest. You know, so if you love, one of my first articles I wrote was um, for chocolate lovers. I am a chocoholic. I love chocolate. So that was kind of my inspiration of, okay, if you like chocolate, these are the accessible places you can go. And this is where they're known for really good chocolate. And I have a post that is just being published today for people that love art. You know, what are the most accessible art museums in the world and or in Europe? And where can you go for there? And I keep adding to that page. So if you're not sure where you want to go and you want to kind of narrow it down by your interest, that's the right place to start. I also have... Um, a post because I know one of the biggest challenges for accessible travel is cost. You know, accessible travel costs at least twice as much, often more than traditional travel. So if you have limited mobility or a wheelchair user on a budget, where can you go if you're on a tight budget? You know, and looking at it that way. If you're not comfortable exploring a place on your own, I have a whole page on accessible tour providers that I've personally used and can recommend. 
that I've had good experiences with. So if you want kind of um, a company to do it for you, so to speak, and, you know, arrange the hotel and arrange the tours and the transportation, these are companies that I've had really good experiences with that'll kind of get you just started in planning your own trip. Um, so that's kind of how I suggest using it is I try to have something for everyone, no matter where they are in their travel journey, whether you're a confident travel and traveler and just need to know what to expect or whether you're a little more overwhelmed and want some assistance with your travel. You know, I try to provide a little bit of everything. Are you focusing mainly on travelers with mobility impairments or do you look at others, including sight or hearing impairments, some of the cognitive conditions, intellectual conditions as well? So for me, for what I write, I write mostly about mobility impairments because that's what I know. Um, and I always think it's important to not pretend that you know what someone else is experiencing, right? Unless you're living that yourself and have a you know a piece of real life experience. Um, having said that, though. I always welcome other people with disabilities to do a guest post for my website. So one of the posts I had a friend do was about traveling with ADHD, you know, and how that can be overwhelming and some of the ways that she copes when she travels. Because I think I think it's important to highlight other disabilities, but I also don't want to pretend that I know what their experience is like or just assume what someone else's experience is like. So I always like to have firsthand accounts of people who are living it. And I always welcome those type of guest posts to diversify my site as much as I can. Um, so if you are a person with a disability who likes to travel or is just living with a disability and wants to write for my site um, to, you know, bring more exposure to whatever you're doing, I always welcome those guest posts. Good to know. Now, we're recording this in the middle of March 2023, and I was on Facebook the other day, and I happened to see an announcement from World on Wheels. Tell us about your new venture that you're starting on. Yeah, so um, I, having you know traveled with a physical disability and really just connecting with other people who are in similar positions, I know that some of the most stressful part of traveling is the planning part, all the research. It can be very overwhelming, as well as the cost, which I mentioned earlier. And so I was thinking about how can I make a difference and help take the stress out of that? You know, if I want to help people travel more, how can I do that? And so I announced um, that I am going to start organizing small group wheelchair accessible tours. Um, so I am not a travel agent. Um, so I am just inviting people to travel with me to destinations. To, and because I'm traveling, I've done all the planning. And as a small group, you can also split the cost and it becomes a little more affordable for people. So that was kind of my solution to that problem. Um, we are launching our first small group tour next year to South Africa on a wheelchair accessible safari. 
Um, so I'm very excited about that. There has been a lot of interest um, because I think Africa is a destination that people have on their bucket list, but I don't I don't know that they always know that you can do a wheelchair accessible safari. So when someone presents it and says, hey, I've done all this research, look what's available and come join me on this trip so we can travel as a community, get to know each other who have like-minded interests and just have an amazing time looking for animals on the safari. I think a lot of people have shown a big interest in that. So I'm really excited. And I'm always really excited to see that because, well, I live in South Africa. I'm in Cape Town and you're going to be coming to Cape Town as part of that trip. So tell us a little bit about what people can expect from the wheelchair accessible safari. Yeah, so this particular tour, I'm working with a local company called Epic Enabled. Um, they have very good reviews. Um, so I have not personally used them yet. This will be my first time when I travel next year, but I have done the research. They come highly recommended. They have been doing this since accessible tours since 2001, but they were doing tours way before that even. Um, so they know what they're doing. They have the adapted vehicles with a lift so that if you cannot get out of your wheelchair, you can stay right in your wheelchair for all the transportation. They have accessible accommodations. Um, in Cape Town, they have a guest house they run. Um, and then as we go to Kruger National Park, there's accessible accommodations within the national park and we'll be doing accessible game drives looking for the animals. And then after, um, I think we spend four days in Kruger National Park and then afterwards we go to a private game reserve Um and that game reserve is known for rehabilitating animals and trying to reintroduce them into the wild. Um, but because they work so closely, you get a lot of up-close animal encounters that you may not have in the traditional wild sense. Um, so that's really cool. We are touring Cape Town for a little for a couple of days before we go into the safari, we're going to be going to Tabletop Mountain. We're going to be driving along the coast and seeing a penguin colony. We're going to be doing a wine tasting because I've heard South Africa is known for their delicious wines. Um, so we're trying to incorporate a lot of different aspects of the culture and the popular things to do in South Africa so that people can have just an incredible trip. And if people would like to find out more about this trip or about your blog and the work you're doing, how can they contact you? So my website is worldonwheelsblog.com and I have um, a link to the trip details right on the homepage. Um, and you can email me if you have questions at worldonwheelsblog at gmail.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have about accessible travel in general or about our small group tour. Um, and I also would love feedback on other places people would like to go. Um, South Africa is our first small group tour, but I would love to keep offering this at least on a yearly basis. So I would love to hear where people want to go and what their interests are, what their dream trips are that maybe they thought was too overwhelming to plan themselves so that we can see what we can arrange and um, how people go to their dream destinations. 
if I'm correct, you also have a social media presence. Can people find you on any of the socials? Yes. So I'm also on Facebook. I am most active on Facebook, um, World on Wheels. You can just um, type that into the search bar and my page will come up. I'm also on Instagram um, at World on Wheels. Um, and those are the probably the major ones that I'm on. Twitter a little bit, but mostly um, Facebook and Instagram. Great. And we'll include all of those links in the show notes to this episode. I want to go back to your personal travels and find out, you you said you've got lots of places on your bucket list of places you'd like to visit. Tell Mm -hmm. us about some of the top items, top places on that bucket list. Where would you like to go? Um, so one of my biggest travel goals is to go to all seven continents. I've been to four so far. Africa next year will be my fifth. Um, so obviously then Asia and Australia will be the last two that I need to conquer. Um, Australia, as particularly I would love to go to. It's a place that um, my grandfather always wanted to go. And so I'll be doing uh, the trip for both of us because he has um, passed, but that will be really special. And then Asia, I would love to go to Thailand and you know go to an ethical elephant sanctuary and really interact there and just see some of the beautiful scenery. Um, I would love to try Cambodia, Singapore, Vietnam, you know, just all over Asia. Um, I would love to go to um, Israel and see some of the, you know, historic sites in that country. Um, I would love to go to Machu Picchu in Peru. They actually have accessible tour companies that use adapted wheelchairs to help get you to Machu Picchu and to tour that. I think that would be really, really cool. So those were probably some of the top ones on my list. As I was listening to you talking there, I I was thinking back to my six-year-old self who turned around and very glibly said to my parents that when I grew up, I wanted to travel to every destination in the world and meet every person in the world. So I kind of think that you might be able to relate to that. Yes. Very much so. There are very few places that are not on my bucket list. And that's mainly just because of, you know, safety concerns and, you know, just unrest politically. But, um, yeah, there's so many places. The world is such a beautiful place and each place offers something special and unique. So I just I want to experience it all. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with us, Kristen. Today, we've been chatting to Kristen Seacole from World World on Wheels blog, talking about accessible travel. It's been really great to chat to you today, Kristen. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media.
na lady media all your vocal needs under one roof read by charlie gassi that's it for now thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently Thank you.